Welcome back to Between the Banners, your basketball show on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, hosted by TarHillBlog.com on the SBNation.com podcast network. As I mentioned in what would be yesterday's show, basketball season starts next week. Uh, this is going to be part two of our preview series for UNC basketball. Today, Jake Lawrence is here with me to talk about the rest of the ACC. Jake, how are you? Good, sir. Doing great, Chad. Hope you're doing well and uh, looking forward to moving on from football for for a couple of hours uh, and talking about uh, ACC basketball. Yeah, I mentioned it off the jump of uh, yesterday's podcast. I was totally unprepared for it to be basketball season this quickly. Um, Akil made the great point that it's kind of hard to, you know, really be prepared for basketball season when football is not, you know, abjectly trying to destroy your soul. But, you know, I guess it's going to be a busy November for us, man. Yeah, November stuck up on us pretty quickly, uh, and Akil was right. I mean, when football is at, at a minimum competitive, uh, it does kind of make basketball season sneak up on us a little bit quicker. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we're any less excited for it. So let's get to it and, and run down the ACC. Absolutely. Before we get to it, um, I'm going to go ahead and get this off the top. Go ahead, whatever you're listening to us on, subscribe to our Humble Podcast. It's great. Um, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts specifically. I will read it on the air. Uh, you can insult me. You can talk about how great we are. You can say, hey, stop having Jake Lawrence on. Whatever you want to do. Um, go ahead and do that and enjoy the show because, Jake, we are going to go I mean, this was just basically the best one-pager that I could uh, find breaking down the ACC basketball season. Uh, Joe Giglio on the News and Observer ranked the ACC teams as he saw fit. So we're just going to kind of count those down. And we're going to start with Virginia Tech. Um, I did not realize they were going to fall off this hard from Buzz Williams. But uh, with Mike Young coming in from Wofford, the Virginia Tech Hokies are ranked dead last per Giglio. And... It kind of makes sense. They lose Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kerry Blackshear, and Justin Robinson from a very good team last year. Um, what is your take on the Hokies? I'm just happy it looks like we're going to be beating them at something this year. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's probably pretty fair. I think they're going to be a bottom feeder team. Uh, whether they're dead last or not you know, remains to be seen. But, but Mike Young comes from Wofford where he was at for some, I think, 20 years as the head coach, give or take. Uh, and it took him about eight or nine years to really get anything going there. Uh, and I know it was a mid-major, and Virginia Tech is supposedly in a better place, but I'm not really sure they are. Uh, they're, they're stuck in the middle of Virginia. They, were, they weren't really that great before Buzz Williams came along. And now they brought a 50- or 60-something-a-year head coach who's going to play a completely different system and lost you know, 60 to 70% of his, of his production from last year. So I, I'm sure they'll surprise. You know, Young is a very good coach. I just don't think it's going to be this year. Yeah, they're, they're starting uh, two true freshmen in the backcourt in Jalen Cohn and Naheem Alinye. Um, Cohn was at least a borderline top 100 recruit. You know, you can see him developing into one of those four-year kind of tricky players like uh, Young did so well at developing at Wofford. But, yeah, there's really not much to say. I mean, their leading returning scorer, at least in the starting lineup, is uh, P.J. Horn at a whopping 3.3 points a game. So this is... I mean, this is going to be a slow rebuild for the Hokies, and yeah. I mean, I think more than anything with them, you know, the Josh Josh Pastner rule is in effect that if he can get them to 11th, uh, then he should be in contention for Coach of the Year. But past that, uh, I don't see anything else happening for uh, for the Hokies this year. 
Yes, yes. Uh, moving to number 14, we're going to try to breeze right through uh, the bottom five here because they're really not that interesting. Uh, Clemson, good year to have Clemson at the bottom because UNC does draw them at home. <laughs> um, Got to keep the streak alive <laughs> the as alive. long as humanly possible. Yep, uh, they're bringing in Tevin Mack as a grad transfer from Alabama. They are bringing in a uh, guy named Curran Scott as a grad transfer from Tulsa. He averaged nine points a game at Tulsa, so expect big things. Um, they lose a ton. They lose Marquise Reed, Elijah Thomas, and Shelton Mitchell. Uh, tough sledding for Brad Brownell, which I believe you are on the record as being a Brad Brownell uh, not fan. So I would say good things there. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably fair, too. He has a tendency, that program knows how to clutch victory from, or uh, clutch defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, the, their close game losses are mind-boggling, uh, and it's it's to the point to where it's, to me, it's something indicative of that program, uh, something indicative of the way he coaches. Uh, they are perennially uh, on the, you know, 500 bubble, uh, and I don't see that changing, probably even going a little bit worse this year. I mean, Brad, about, Brad uh, Brownell, should be Dabo Sweeney's biggest fan because that's the only reason he still has a job at Clemson. Well, yeah, from a money perspective, uh, they can't really afford a buy. Well, they can definitely afford a buyout at this point, but you got that sweet ACC network money coming in. So, yeah, I mean, a 5-15 and 15 season in the ACC, and we might be looking at a new Clemson coach. Um, you know, they kind of had some upward trajectory a couple of years ago, and I don't really know why it hasn't continued. But, uh should be rough for Clemson this year. I mean, they, they're they veteran, I'll say that, but they are not veteran playing together. Uh, number 13, based on this ranking, Pitt. Uh, Pitt with Jeff Capel as the head coach. Um, the Bagman is out in full force, although we haven't seen it yet. Uh, they're bringing in a Juco um, to be one of the guards. And you know what? I think this is a little low for Pitt. They were a lot more cohesive than I thought they would be. Uh, ended up seventh and 70th in Kim Palm on defense, 101 overall, which given the depths at which Kevin Stallings left them, I feel like that's not horrible. You know, I agree. And I think that it depends on how big you are or how down you are on the bottom half of the ACC. Uh, and look, they struggled last year. I don't think Capel is as good of a coach as a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, but I also don't think that he is a bottom four coach in the league. I would not be surprised to see them maybe even break the top 10 of the ACC uh, and get somewhere in the neighborhood since we're on a 20-game 20, 20 season this year. I think anywhere from seven to nine wins for them would not surprise me in conference. Uh, I think that they're going to be better than people think, and they're going to pull an upset or two that they probably have no business winning. Now, is that seven to nine uh, adjusted for the 20-game schedule, or is that still looking at 18? No, I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting for the schedule. I mean, I think 9 and 11, anywhere from 7 and 13 to 9 and 11 for them in conference, uh, probably closer to 9 to, 9 to 11, uh, depending on how down the ACC really is. And I think the ACC is going to be down uh, in the bottom half. I don't see a lot of a lot of competition there after the first mm, seven or eight teams. I think it's going to be a free-for-all. I think, I think Capel has the experience, uh, and with a year in that system, I think he can guide them uh, to a respectable finish. Yeah, I, I think these rankings are a little bit low on them, and they're like a solid, you know, lower tier, middle of the pack team. Uh, moving on to number 12, our first in-state rival, Wake Forest. I uh, cannot believe Danny Manning is still the head coach there, quite frankly. Um, 
I will say this for them. They bring back some experience. Uh, they got Sean D. Brown and uh, Brandon Childress back in the backcourt. Um, a couple of guys who have played at least decent minutes uh, in the front court, and they bring in a transfer from Charlotte by the name of Adrian White, who uh, went for 15-5 and five last year. Uh, can Wade do anything? Uh, or is this just a situation where they are just waiting for that buyout to go down? I think they went for the buyout to go down, and I think the new AD needed one year to make his own decision, and he's going to make that decision pretty quickly. I, honestly, I'll be surprised if Danny Manning makes it through the season. Um, I don't know what redeeming qualities that team had at the end of last year, uh, and I am, you know, the only reason I'm convinced he still even still has a job is that they changed ADs and they just didn't want to get rid of them uh, without this new AD getting getting time to get his feet on the ground. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um... You know, really, if, if we're just doing just pure coach firing watch, I think uh, you basically have Wake 1, Clemson 2 at this point. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, it's bad over there, man. And they even lost Jalen Horde, who was, you know, a consensus five-star recruit. He went to the NBA and went undrafted. So, you know, really nothing going right for the Demon Deacons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one-and-done giveth and the one-and-done taketh. Um that brings us to number 11, Boston College. I honestly forget that they're even in the conference. They lose Kai Bowman, who is, you know, the best Boston College player in recent memory um, outside of the Tyrese Rice mold, if we go back that far. But I guess that's going back a decade at this time. Uh, Jim Christian's in his sixth year as well. Uh, Derek Thornton, former Duke player, he is back in the ACC um, after – transferring from Duke to USC and now here. Uh, can we pencil in Derek well, Thornton for, for like 28 points and an upset win against Duke at least? Uh, you beat me to it. I absolutely think that's what's going to happen. Uh, BC over Duke confirmed. Uh, but, I mean, look, they just don't have the, they don't have the, the athleticism or the talent. And I think Jim Christensen is probably a pretty good coach. Uh, but that's a tough place to recruit. And I – I think it's probably fair right now, you know, at number 11. Uh, but I don't see them moving anywhere up or down more than a spot from there. And I'd be surprised if they can, if they can beat, if they can get into the top two-thirds of the ACC. Yeah, I think that's kind of the cutoff point for, you know, basically teams that you would say, hey, they could be a threat to UNC on a, on a given night. Um, I just don't really see it with any of those guys. Uh, just... You know, I mean, Wake, you have the rivalry angle. Uh, Pitt is, you know, I, I think they're on the come up. But just that whole lower tier is kind of separate from what we're about to get into. So you ready for the next ones? Because I know I've kind of got you going blind on this since I, you know, basically sprung on you. Hey, I'm going to use uh, Jiglio's rankings just uh, right off the top here. Oh, come on. Let's not share our secrets. Let's just go. I got this. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Number 10, Miami. Chris Likes is still there. Um, they actually brought in, you know, a couple of uh, top 100 recruits, Harlem Beverly being a guard who ranked number 51 per 247. I mean, they were 75 in Kempom. They were balanced on offense and defense. I think injuries kind of took a toll on Miami last year. And Jim Laranega uh, at this point, I'm not questioning him as a coach. No, honestly, Miami scares me, and I think that's low for them because if there's been one consistent in, in his tenure there, it has been 
more or less they have been good on the years they should not have been, and they have been bad on the years that they were expected to be good. Um, and so uh, a little bit worried. I mean, his style is – it's a weird hybrid of letting the athleticism play while also trying to be over-controlling at the same time. It's really odd, uh, but it works, and it really works when he is considered to be on a down year by and large. Um, and I think they bounce back a little bit, and I think 10 might be a little low for him. Uh, but that's also because I've not heard anything about Syracuse or Georgia Tech yet, so I'm interested to see where they are on this list. Yeah, Georgia Tech's going to shock you. Um, number nine, Notre Dame. They bring back uh, T.J. Gibbs and Rex Fluger, both of whom were injured, and uh, they joined John Mooney, who was quite good last year. Uh, Nate Lazuski's well, he's only a sophomore, but I feel like you know he probably had a career game against UNC in that case. Um. I mean, they they were just derailed by injuries last year, right? Yeah, the, the past couple of years, they've been hit pretty hard by injuries. Uh, I, I don't think – I think Mike Bray's the perfect guy for that program. I, I'm not sold on him as some sort of other world coach the way the coaching community kind of rallies around him. Uh, but I think that team is better than ninth in the ACC, and I think they're going to surprise. And if you're looking for a sleeper, uh, I think Notre Dame could be one of those who sneaked up in the top six before the end of the year. Um a lot of talent coming back. They're gonna, if, and as long as they stay healthy. I mean, Mooney averaged a double double. I think he and uh, maybe Luke May and one or two other people may have been the only ones, and maybe Zion, like the only three I think that averaged double double last year. And I might be making that up, but there were not a lot. And Mooney was at the top of the list. Uh, so there's there's some talent there in South Bend. Yeah, uh, Mooney's the first team All ACC guy in the preseason uh, polls. That's not really a game I'm looking forward to as an opener. Uh, you know, just with the senior leadership of Fluger and Gibbs and Mooney, and then, you know, just how Notre Dame's kind of going to Notre Dame you to sleep and, you know, hit more. Yeah, three, I mean, and they be reasonable. Well, they, they gave Carolina a, a game last year. I mean, so I think that that concerns me for North Carolina if we're going to go that route, but uh, I think they're better than Knights. Uh, but to be fair, uh, they probably got to prove it early before anyone gives them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and, you know, kind of my takeaway on that is that's not quite fair. I mean, Bray's a dude who's, you know, 412 and 205 at Notre Dame. Um, you know, 3 and 15 in the ACC last year is kind of an aberration because the injuries were very real. And I just don't really see a situation where Notre Dame is below average again. Um, yeah, you I don't either. You, did you mention Georgia Tech and Syracuse? Uh, yeah, I did. I mentioned Georgia Tech and Syracuse. I'm curious where they are on this list. Uh, coming in at number eight, right in the middle of the pack, is Syracuse. Um, Jake Leo's comment on this is basically that they are the Bon Jovi of the ACC, where they are living on a prayer that they get to 500 in conference and then play teams who can't handle the zone. That's, that's pretty – I mean, that's a spot-on analysis of them. Uh, if, if that's the case, then I think that Joe Jiglio and I are like spirit animals or something because I, I, I really I think Syracuse is like two games over 500 since they joined the ACC. Like their first year they were 14 and four, and ever since then it's been pretty much a, a, a slow decline in ping pong ball. Last year they might have been 10 and eight maybe. Yep. yep. Um, so like that, that's where they're at. That's where they are now, uh, and so I think right in the middle of the ACC, and I don't see them better than eight. Uh, I could easily see them falling down to 10. 
Um, I just don't know what they have coming back except, you know, Buddy Bayheim. I don't. Uh, Buddy Bayheim. Buddy Bayheim exists as a guy who's coming back. Uh, Elijah Hood or Elijah Hood. Elijah Hughes is their uh, leading returning scorer. Um, senior. He averaged thirteen and a half points a game last year. Okay. But so lose, Hughes is coming back. All right. Yeah, they, they lose Tyus Battle. They lose Frank Howard, and they lose O'Shea Brissett. Um, that doesn't really bode well for them. You know, no, I mean, so they're going to they're gonna turn back into a, a, a one-guard-dominated offense that just hoists it up and then hope that their their size and length can do something on defense. And Roy's going to pick them apart again and win his ninth straight. I mean, I, like, it's just old hat. Jiglio's right on this. Just pencil them in for 10 and 8. I'm sorry, this year probably 10 and 10. And it's just, you know, let them wander around as a 7 to 10 seed and they complain about it. Uh, well, I mean, Jim Beheim's not one to complain. I've... No, he's, a, he's just a classy guy all the way around. Yeah. Um, we're officially moving into the top half, and we might have to recalibrate some of these rankings uh, once we get here because Jigglio's got Georgia Tech at seven. And you could tell me that they had all the talent in the world, and Josh Pastner's still the head coach there. I don't really know what we're looking at here. Uh, I'm curious what his reasons are for that because you're look, you're looking at a team that is now banned from the postseason, a team that I don't think they brought any notable recruits in that I can think of off the top of my head, and you're talking about a coach who perennially underperforms despite his 2016 ACC Coach of the Year award. So I, seventh is probably about five spots too high for where Georgia Tech is going to finish, uh, and that that is shocking to me. Yeah, I think the justification here is that Passner won 31 games in his fourth year at Memphis, and this is his fourth year at uh, Georgia Tech. I don't know if that's the best apples-to-apples comparison I've ever heard. Um, You know, Jose Alvarado and James Banks, I mean, that makes a nice little inside-outside combo. They've got guys back who, you know, were in the upper single digits in points per game. So, you know, maybe there's some kind of concept there, but – yeah, man, I'm I'm buying pretty hard on Notre Dame and Miami being closer to this spot. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably about fair. I think if that's his rationale that it's his fourth year, so they're going to make a leap. Um, I that that kind of analysis, we are not spirit animals anymore when it comes to Georgia Tech. So um, I, I do not see that happening. Did, <laughs> did not take long at all. Nope. <laughs> Um, next up, uh, number six in the conference, this is a program that, you know, has basically become pretty steady and I don't necessarily disagree with this. Uh, Florida state still got Laren Hamilton. Um, I don't really know, you know, about just the returning pieces on this team, but every year I feel like I say that. And then every year they're running nine and 10 guys out there who are physically imposing a couple of whom can shoot and, they just become a problem for certain kinds of matchups. I mean, they were uh, 14 in Ken Palm last year, 10 in defense. What do you see with these uh, Florida State Seminoles? I always I always view them as like the polar opposite of Miami where they have these super athletic guys and Leonard Hamilton that just kind of undercoaches them and just hopes their athleticism steals some games along the way. Um, I think Hamilton's done an admirable job there. I like him. Uh, but when you look at the amount of talent they've had come in, and I think they've made it to the Sweet 16 just twice in the last six years, um, they're a very Jekyll and Hyde team and program. But I think in this ACC, 
anywhere from sixth to eighth is probably about right. They might win a couple games and get up to fifth or fourth. Uh, but I think it's probably about, about accurate with, with where they're going to finish. Yeah, I think they've got more downside risk than any of the rest of the teams that we're going to talk about here. So if you do have that breakout from Pitt or if you have Notre Dame put it together or as we discussed, oh, man, uh, Miami just kind of bouncing back and exceeding expectations. You know, there there is a little zero-sum game uh, element to this. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think Florida State at six is, is about right. Some people had them up as, as high as three or four last year, and I didn't quite get on board with that. Um, I think with what they have coming back and the way they play, uh, they'll give some teams fits, uh, and then they will have some down nights where their athleticism just isn't good enough to overcome some of the coaches. But uh, no, no qualms with them being at, at, at the six range. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. And I think uh, our sponsors would agree with the fact that this is a good shot to take a break. So, Jake, we'll be right back. And, Jake, we are back to break down the top five per J.P. Giglio in the ACC. Um, There's another middling program that we have not discussed yet. Uh, This is one who's very near and dear to our hearts. Of course, I'm talking about the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Number five in Jiglio's rankings. I don't know if that's a little bit of homerism. Um, they bring back Markel Johnson and Braxton Beverly in the, the backcourt, as I know it ties to your philosophy that veteran guards win basketball games. NC State, tell me about this. Um, I think it's interesting, and I think that this depends on what you think of Kevin Keats and what you think of the state of their program. Uh you know, and I like Jiglio, uh, and I think he's always been pretty fair, and I know some Carolina fans disagree with that. Uh, and I enjoyed the one year that he was on the beat, uh, on the North Carolina beat. Uh, this feels like a little bit more wishful thinking. Uh, I, I see them more in the 7-9 to nine range. But you have to understand, I mean, they finished middle of the pack of the ACC last year, and they do have Beverly and Johnson coming back. I just don't know what they have down low to counteract that. And I don't know if they have enough talent to make that leap uh, in Keats's third year quite yet. Um, and this just feels like it might be a year too early uh, for, for putting it there. But, you know, Johnson is good. Beverly is, is good. Uh, and they might they should be better than what they were last year. I don't still know if they're going to be fifth. Yeah. Um, I can kind of buy, you know, them being, you know, if not 10 and 10, maybe like 12 and 8 in the ACC because – they do have experience in the backcourt. They do bring back uh, DJ Funderburk, who is at least a warm body as a big. Uh, they're bringing in a grad transfer from Lehigh. Shout out Lehigh, ending Jabari Parker's uh, college career. <laughs> are they, are they bringing back Funderburk? I, I, thought, I thought they had someone who is transferring or got kicked off. Um, this list, Funderburk on the roster, um, I'm going to go with that. Really, they only lose Torrid Dorn. And if Johnson stays healthy and CJ Bryce, uh, kind of takes the leap that you know he took last year. I can see State as a viable, you know, top five to seven ish team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think they're a threat on any given night. Um, I just don't know if they have the consistency to actually to hit the top five. But I think that they are going to be a tougher out than what they have been in the past. Yeah, and their schedule plays a little bit 
to their advantage. Uh, they get UNC and Duke both twice, but they also get Wake and Clemson and Georgia Tech uh, twice. So, you know, you should – I mean, NC State should have said no, hashtag. beneficial. Yeah. Um, you know, other other than hashtag NC State shit, I mean, they should go at least like five and one of those games. Uh, yeah, uh, they, they get Louisville and Notre Dame at home. Um, they're going to lose the UVA anyway, but they get them on the road. Um, every other game really is kind of winnable for them. So, yeah, I, I think I can talk myself into like a 12 and eight NC State team. Yeah, no, I think that's probably about fair. Yeah, I, I think they're turning about this year. Um, number four, I think this might be low just based on what the uh, national media said. Louisville, uh, Chris Mack did an impressive, impeccable job uh, in year one. They bring back Jordan Nora, who is awesome. Uh, they bring in a an elite recruit in Samuel Williamson, who's probably going to step in at the two guard. Uh, Fresh Kimball, grad transfer from St. Joe's, averaged 15 points a game. A lot of grad transfers in the ACC this year. Louisville Cardinals, they were 10-8 in the ACC last year. Did they overachieve, or is this just Chris Mack being a good coach? Uh, both. Um, they were 10-8 because they had a great start to the season, and they fell apart uh, towards the end. Uh, I think Mack is a really good coach. Uh, I don't know if he is quite to the upper upper tier of the ACC coaches, um, but I find it interesting that, uh, by and large, the ACC media and or the regional media have him or have Louisville at number four, and the national media have them as a sleeper Final Four picket. There's there's a really weird gap there, um, and I think that uh, well, I like Mac um, as a coach, and I think they have a lot of talent there. That's a lot that you got to overcome from last year, and I think they'll be better than ten and eight. So yeah, I mean four is probably I see, I could see them maybe even a little bit better. I mean, they scare me this year. I just don't know how Mac is going to coach in tight games because he has a tendency or his teams have kind of uh, failed to live up to the hype when they are in those positions. Um, so maybe four is a good sleeper number for them, and they can kind of surprise and get up to three or number two by the end of the year. But they're a dangerous team. Yeah, they're very dangerous. Um, I don't know really except for Mac's reputation and what they did exceeding expectations in year one, what really separates them from Notre Dame or Miami, or really NC State for that matter. Uh, Nora definitely helps. But – you know, really, if you look at it, I'd say the biggest advantage is they only play UNC once. They only play Duke once. Um, they do get UVA twice. But, again, I mean, this is a team that gets Clemson and Georgia Tech and Pitt uh, home and home. You know, that – I don't know. I mean, I, I think like a 14-6, and 13-7 and seven is definitely doable. I think that puts them squarely, you know, Somewhere three to five. I'm I'm pretty confident in saying Louisville will finish third to fifth in the conference just based on what we have to go on thus far. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I actually, and I know we're going to get this, but I, I, it would not surprise me if Louisville finishes ahead of Duke this year and Louisville could even finish second or third. I mean, I really like them. I just, I, I, if anyone is, is down on them, I think it's fair to be cautious after the lack of veteran leadership last year. Um, especially along the perimeter. Uh, and I don't know if they have enough there to turn the corner this year. But uh, I think they have overall talent that's going to cause that's gonna cause a big problem. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be better in uh, February than they are in November. But they're, they're a team that can speak Yeah, no doubt. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's got Virginia at number three, which, you know, at, at some point – Virginia is going to get picked to win an ACC championship in the regular season and then fall flat on their face, and I can't wait for it. 
I don't really, you know, I, I mean, Tony Bennett's got a system at this point. It's a very good system. It's a system that is objectively horrible to watch, but losing Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter, I mean, that's, that's heavy for a team that doesn't recruit at an elite level, which Virginia does not. No, they don't. And what when what big recruits they have done? I think they I think they landed one or two in the last year. They're not going to be ready to, to come in and, and compete. I don't think they have anyone at a DeAndre Hunter level. Um, but but Bennett's style is going to keep them in games, and so you can't discount that. And every game is going to be a rock fight um, when it when it comes to UVA. I think anyone looking at what they lost goes third. You know, third place. Are you kidding me? But look, we've watched this now for close to a decade. And he, he, look, you said it, his system works. It's maddening, but he's to the point now to where he has reached that Coach K and Coach Williams uh, kind of level where you can't discount him at all. And you have to almost come on his team as a top four team every year until they prove you wrong. Um, and so because of that, regardless of what pieces they have, uh, number three is probably about right, you know, give or take a spot. So no, no major issues with that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, these these rankings aren't going to be completely right or, you know, we're, we're going to take him to Vegas on us and let him pick next year's ACC. But No, yeah, and I, I mean, mean, look, too, like, if he if, if, if finished seventh, no one would be surprised. Like, nobody would be surprised whatsoever because every every team has a, has a down year here or there. Uh, but until until we see it, I don't – I'm not comfortable saying they're going to fall off the face of the earth because they haven't done it at all the past five or six years. Every time you think they're going to have a down year, uh, they bounce back. So, Yeah, and I mean, I would be more surprised to hear they finish seventh than to hear they finish first. Exactly, and that's where we are at with them. And they just lost three starters from last year, so four starters from last year. So, yeah, they're in a good place. Yep, yep. I mean, they just won the national championship. So even if they do fall off the map, I think uh, Tony Bennett's probably going to get another year if he wants it. <laughs> yeah, I think he. I think his job is safe for at least 165 days. Yeah, I, I, I'd say so. I, you never know, though. You absolutely never know, he said sarcastically. Uh, UNC comes in at number two on this list. I would probably be more willing to – I mean, basically you got to do this thing in tiers – and I would say UNC, Duke, Virginia, Louisville, and, you know, one of the Notre Dame's, Miami's, uh, I don't trust NC State to get their shit together. Um, you know, basically that's going to be your one to five. Um, I think if I argue with anything in the formatting of this, I argue with actually ranking these teams, but he gets paid a lot more to do this than I do. So the Tar Heels are number two. Um, since we already broke down the roster yesterday, I'm just going to run through the schedule right quick. They get, Duke State, Notre Dame, Pitt, Virginia, and Wake twice. Um, Duke State, Notre Dame, and UVA, I think we agree, are upper-tier ACC teams. Yes? Yeah. So that sucks. Um, Boston College, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Miami at home, just for the one-off. Other than Miami, that looks like three wins and a likely win. Yeah? Uh, Agree. And away, uh, Louisville, Syracuse, Florida State, and Virginia Tech. Louisville worries me. Uh, the other ones don't a whole lot, um, at least from a traditional standpoint. So, you know, I mean, I, I probably see 
four to six losses worst case on the schedule this year uh, for North Carolina. I think second's probably about fair for them. Uh, the problem is, you know, as with a lot of the other teams, Virginia and Duke, they have they have so much turnover, and it just feels that to a certain degree, um, they're riding on their tradition and their history as opposed to what the actual product is right now. Uh, and you know, that is what it is. So uh, two is fair. Uh, if they finish sixth, it wouldn't surprise me because they just have a lot of a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Uh... I mean, you know, we, we, we touched on a lot of this in the roster preview, but basically if you're looking at Cole Anthony living up to his billing, that's going to limit, you know, how low the floor can possibly be just right away. Uh, you look for Garrison Brooks to take a Bryce Johnson type leap. You look for Christian Keeling and Brandon Robinson to provide some nice uh, steadiness on the wings. And yeah, I mean, just given the let, this kind of gets into where you just see the level of turnover as a whole in the conference. And you don't really feel like UNC has too much downside risk. Um, take Cole Anthony out of the picture. And yeah, I'd say this is probably a very average team in the league, but Cole Anthony is not out of the picture. So we got that going for us. No. And you make a good point too, about the turn, all the turnover in the league. There's not really a super senior laden team. It feels like at least maybe, maybe Louisville a little bit, maybe. Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, maybe a little bit from Florida State. So with with all of that, uh, and we talked about Notre Dame, of course, but that's not really upperclassman experience. Um, some of it is. In any case, uh, uh, so that best players are seniors. So okay, well, perfect. That that gives Notre Dame even more of a of an of an opportunity to maybe surprise. So, but you're right. The overall uh, the overall turnover in the league opens the door for Carolina to have another really good year uh, if they can get some of those questions shored up. So no major issues there. Not not really a surprise. And they are considered top ten in the nation, you know, right now. So that kind of that kind of matches that billing a little bit. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of let this go on in an or unorganized fashion, as I am wont to do. Um, you bring up a good point about you know maybe Louisville being a little overhyped just because of how much they return in comparison to Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. Um, I, you know, again, so, somebody's going to rise out of that uh, middle tier, and I think Notre Dame, Miami, maybe even NC State, maybe NC State. I just don't trust NC State to excel at anything until they actually do it. And Yeah, they're the anti-Virginia. <laughs> yep, yep, God bless them. Um, that brings us to J.P. Giglio, at least, his number one, the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, we know they're not going to win the regular season. Right. They're not going to win the regular season. They haven't in a decade. So, you know, history is going to repeat itself there. Um, this one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, I like, I get it. It's a season that UVA and North Carolina are up there, too. But uh, they don't have a – their point guard can't shoot. Their shooting guard can't shoot. Their stretch four can't play in the post. And their center was out-rebounded by Cole Anthony on the summer league circuit. So I don't know what the draw here is for Duke. Yeah, there, there's not really a Zion or a Parker or, you know, a Rivers coming through that door is one of the guys who you're just going to say, hey, you know, this guy's going to step up and take it right away. I mean, even R.J. Barrett, who, you know, came in with more acclaim than Zion Williamson, which a year ago, or I mean, a year later sounds nuts. But 
like they don't have like the top end, you know, surefire top three pick on this year's team. And you're basically, I don't know, relying on Trey Jones to be the veteran leader that's going to bring this ragtag bunch together. And granted, this ragtag bunch still has the number one recruiting class in the country. But I think you make a really good point. Like, it's kind of upside down for what usually makes a good Duke team where, you know, really, if you just look at it from a strict just recruiting rankings perspective, which you have to do with Duke at this point, uh, Matt Hurt and Vernon Carey are going to be the ringleaders on the team, and they are both post players. That's not how Duke operates. That's not how Duke has operated since I started watching basketball 25 years ago. I mean, I know you're right. I mean, they've they, – they've, they have traditionally been more of a oriented team with a really, really soft, a really good inside presence. You know, you had Boozer, you had Brand, um, you had Okafor. I mean, they they have that, but they've never been an inside dominated team. Uh, and so, you know, Trey Young shot 26% from three last year, and he was allowed to extend 35 feet on defense because he had Zion and Barrett on the wings, you know, playing the gaps. So I think that they have just as many questions as North Carolina does in a completely different way. Um, the difference is they have a sophomore point guard and North Carolina has a freshman point guard. And it depends on if you believe in a little bit of experience of that position being the difference. I happen to think that, but I don't think they have enough parts. I don't think they have enough parts anywhere else to really make up for anything. So, you know, Coach K arguably hasn't really coached for the last few years. I mean, he went to a zone two years ago because he couldn't get him to play man defense. So I'll be really interested to see how this operates and how much energy he really has to put into this team. Uh, and if they actually coalesce once they realize that some of these guys are not as good as they think they are. Yeah, I mean, you're relying on either Joey Baker or Alex O'Connell to take over big-time minutes. Uh, O'Connell, you know, God bless him, I feel like he murders UNC, although I don't think that is actually backed up by any kind of empirical evidence. I'm Correct. Just, I'm just not quite sure. I mean, frankly, I, I don't know who the go-to scorer is. I don't think Cassius Stanley's that dude. Um, yeah, I mean. Wendell Moore's not good outside 15 feet, and he can't even create his own shot. So, I, I mean, look, they, they just lost by – or they just beat uh, the D2 champion by six points the other night. And I don't know how good that team is. If you're Duke and you're supposed to be a top-five team, you don't you don't squeak by six point uh, a six-point victory with – Trey Jones shooting like over six from three or whatever it was. And my stats there are a little bit off, but um, I'm sorry. Like I just more than ever, I don't buy it. Like with Bagley, I thought, yo, this team's going to be good. And with Zion, and I was like, all right, these guys, they're going to be trouble. They could go deep. I look at this team and if they finish six in the ACC, I would not be surprised like at all. And I definitely wouldn't put money on to be number one, two, and maybe even three when you look at what's behind them. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's kind of shift to that then. Um, your ACC regular ch- season champ putting you on the spot. Uh, I'll go with Louisville right now. I like Louisville's talent, and I like I like the fact that I think they're going to turn around a little bit, despite what I said earlier. When now that we've broken down the the three teams allegedly above them, I think Louisville is. I'll put money on them and, and let it ride or die. I like it. Um, this is me putting myself on the spot right here too. My on-the-board pick is going to be North Carolina. I think they have the most going for them among that top tier of teams. My off-the-board pick, I'm, I'm just going to roll with Notre Dame because I have just oh going big there. I don't. Th- I think that's. I think that's not a, not a bad a bad gamble. 
No, I mean that you know it's definitely like a forty to one long shot, but you know they just have the experience. They're always going to have the shooting. They have the senior leadership. Um, and like I said, I mean they were hella injured last year. Uh, three and fifteen didn't really reflect the talent on that team. Yeah, they're going to be my super long shot. Um, what ACC coaches are getting fired? And I'll let you out on that one. Uh, I think Manning is fired. I think, ooh, I think Christensen could be fired if they do not get outside of the top. You know, if they can't get into the top ten. Um, and then I, Brown Brownell is on the with a bad year. Pastner has at least one more year, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of stuck with Passner, I think. Um, Boston College, I think, uh, with Christian, I think I'm w- willing to give him one more year. I would definitely take Manning, and I'd definitely take Brownell at this point because I just don't really see it with either of them. Um, off the board, does Jim Bo- Jim Beheim finally get the hell out of here after this year? No, he's going to die on that sideline. Um, like he's going to wait till he has a heart attack and croaks in the middle of the game. I don't see him retiring. He probably should. Uh, but, you know, I mean, as long as he's pumping out NCAA tournament teams, regardless of how he's getting there, I do not see him see him ending ending his tenure anytime soon. Hey, for, forever number two in uh, all-time wins. Jake, my man, it has been an absolute delight. Uh, anything you got coming to TarHillBlog.com that you can plug? Uh, I've got three things for football to watch coming up, and uh, and then I'm handling some of the recruiting stuff going on right now. Uh, but that's pretty much uh, all I got at the moment. Awesome. And this is hitting on Thursday. So if you are going back in our feed a little bit, um, on Monday I was with uh, Lauren Brownlow on NACC podcast. That was a fun conversation. On Wednesday, you got part one of this basketball preview where Akil Garuparan and I broke down the roster for UNC. I appreciate y'all listening. We all do. And until next time, keep it locked and go Heels.